Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, joined by my best friend, Jake Colhagen, the late round DB himself. Jake, first things first, it's week four. I think I think we can officially start to title our first tank bowl is happening this week. And I can't tell you how exciting I am to see where the Caleb Williams sweepstakes go. But more importantly, it's Steelers versus Texans week. Let's and that go. means we get to come up with some kind of wager at some point in this episode to determine uh, what we're going to have to do for the other person or to the other person in the event that our team beats the other person's team. Are you uh, are you nervous at all? About the Texans? I don't know, man. I, I just watched the JT O'Sullivan quarterback school on Stroud, and he's got me even more fired up after watching them uh, take it to the Jaguars. So I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think I'm as nervous as I would have been week one. Dude, imagine drafting a first-round quarterback for your team that needs a quarterback, and that dude, like, actually being kind of decent, you know? Was I wish the 2021 draft class felt that way, right? Yeah, exactly, dude. Still, I still... I'm going to get canceled for this. Are you ready? <laughs> I still would have taken Malik Willis over Kenny Pickett to this day. <laughs> because if he didn't hit, then like, fine. Let's just go like start Mitch Trubisky or something until we find another dude. I still don't think Kenny Pickett's him. But that's all right. This is a defensive podcast. And listeners, we are so grateful that you decided to join us today. We're going to jump right in to our first game with the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to be taking the away teams. Jake will be taking the home teams, just like we did last week, and just picking out like two players on each team-ish to call out as a start or a sit, and my sit this week is unfortunately Jack Campbell, their linebacker. He's third on the team in linebacker snaps, and that just absolutely sucks because I know you've been really excited for him. I've been really excited for him. Eric Harms has been really excited for him. <laughs> And the dude is not getting enough snaps yet. I'm I'm sure that at some point in the season, he's going to take over that full-time workload over Alex Anzalone, but it's not yet. He's not even taking more snaps than Brian, what, Derek Barnes? I almost said Brian Barnes. Derek <laughs> Barnes. And uh, he he's just not getting enough snaps to be productive. So in the meantime, until he gets that full-time workload, I would recommend you just look elsewhere at linebacker. But somebody that you can consider starting is their other rookie, nickel cornerback Brian Branch, who is absolutely killing it. This is an elite usage and matchup for cornerbacks this week against the Packers, and he has 16% tackle efficiency through three weeks. That is absurd for a cornerback. 95% of his snaps are in the sweet spot. Not necessarily absurd for a nickel cornerback, but like about as good as it gets for a corner. So yes, he's a rookie, but he's already producing this well. And if you had to think about Jake, if you had to think about like dynasty cornerback rankings, is Brian branch already up in that like top tier of guys? What do you think? He's definitely getting there, right? Um, he's someone I, I loved coming in and what he's been able to do with that as a rookie in that defense. I, I don't see how you couldn't make that argument or, or be fully in on that. So yeah, I, I for me, I'm with you. I, I liked him coming into this season. Yeah, man. How about how about the Packers side of the ball? What are we thinking about on defense over there? Well, we're looking at linebacker to start with. Devondre Campbell looks like he's already been ruled out here uh, as of Wednesday. So Isaiah McDuffie, 
probably someone you might be looking to start in a lineup, probably a little deeper, right? That LB4 range. Um, but, you know, 37 snaps last week coming in to fill in from the injury for Campbell, uh, put up six tackles. So um, that's what you're probably looking for out of someone in terms of starting him in that, that uh, LB4 range anyways. So um, on the defensive front, though, I'm looking at Preston Smith. Not not looking so great here for the start. Uh, Gary's been a great story in what he's come back and what he's done from his injury. But Smith, uh, six pressures on 75 pass rush attempts. You know, not awful, but really not that great either. And, you know, 3% true pass rush win rate. That That's a hard no thank you right there. So um, I'm actually looking to move on from Preston Smith fully at this point, if you haven't already due to the, to the slow start he's experiencing this year. So um, yeah, sit, you're sitting Smith. And like I said, you should be looking to move on. I think at this point. Yeah. And I, and I just, and I was going to call out week 10, Jack Campbell starts that that's been my, my uh, assertion from the beginning, right after their bye week That's when I think Campbell takes over as a solid LB two, maybe more. So. I, I hope you're right. I feel like this coaching staff has an unreasonable dedication to Alex Anzalone. But at some point, right, you have to assume rational coaching wins out and Jack Campbell takes over. I will also say with Isaiah McDuffie, called him out earlier this week on the IDP After Show or the IDP Game Theory Podcast. One of the one of the podcasts, you know, one of the ones that's out there. He didn't play a full-time workload after Devondre Campbell was out. So like the amount of snaps that the Packers played without Devondre Campbell was greater than the number of snaps that Isaiah McDuffie had in the game. So there's a chance that he's more of like an 80% snap player, but his tackle efficiency was good enough that you can still trust him in moderately deep league. So I, I definitely love this. Every single week, most likely, there's going to be at least one dude on waivers that you can pick up and start, kind of like you can do with running back. And so it's just another reason why you shouldn't spend super heavily at that position. Let's go ahead and jump into the Atlanta Falcons at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our first London game. This is going to be a fun one. I love these Sunday morning games. Um, wake up early, put football on, and you just get football all day, baby. It's going to be a fun one. Um, for the Falcons side of the ball, Nate Landman. He's back. He was really only gone for like half a week, but he's back again because unfortunately our guy Troy Anderson was just placed on IR. There is a chance he's out for the season. I haven't seen an update yet. One might be out at the time of you listening to this. So feel free to check on how long he's going to be out. But at the very least, Nate Landman looks poised to be a full-time player for the for the Falcons for at least four weeks. And when he played back in week two, when he played a full-time workload, he had an 8% tackle efficiency in a full-time workload. So not a great tackle efficiency. However, that tackle efficiency will regress positively. So don't look at his week two stat line and just think, ugh, that's what I'm going to get from him. That's not too exciting. He will do better than that. I would bet on that. So he's definitely somebody that you should be picking off waivers. I mean, you know, waivers already ran, but if he's available, he's definitely the top priority as far as IDPs go. Um, I'll also call out Grady Jarrett. He had a bad matchup last week. I told you to bench him last week, but he's got a much better matchup this week. He's got four pressures, but no sacks, or at least that's what he did last week. He got three quarterback hits, which is great. He just needed a better matchup. The Jags are seventh in points allowed to defensive tackles. This is that matchup. So if you want to fire him up, I give you the green flag to go ahead and do it. All right. Well, on the Jag side, uh, 
another injury, unfortunately, in the linebacker room. Uh, Devin Lloyd, thumb injury. So he's already ruled out. The teams have tra- started traveling. He was not going with the team to London. Um, you know, with that said, looking like, you know, could be a two-week injury, maybe a little bit more, but two weeks is kind of probably the the number we're looking at here. Um, and we saw who that was last year that steps up, and that's Chad Muma. I uh, had a bit of a rough go of it when he came in uh, for the injury last week, but hopefully this is something where he can kind of get back to the form he had in his rookie season late there where he stepped in for Devin Lloyd. So he's definitely a start for me. I, I'm I'm on the Muma train. He was someone I, I enjoyed a lot coming out of uh, college last year, out of Wyoming, I believe. I, I really think this opportunity will be a chance for him to shine and he's going to he's going to take it and run with it um on the back end of that defense uh Rayshon Jenkins right so just steady Eddie for us here and he's someone that I think you should be happy to start in your lineup and you know if you're if you're looking three deep he's easily plug and play um as your DB3 and you know probably even that that kind of DB2 you know he's got uh, almost a 58% sweet spot alignment uh, almost 40% box snaps six tackles seven tackles seven tackles um, I know he had some huge weeks last season that probably make him stand out in some people's mind, but it, for me, it's just it's the consistency that he shows us. He's got the utilization to, to maintain it, and I don't see them going away from this. This is what they've done with this defense and, and Rayshon Jenkins for the last couple seasons. So, just just more of that, and you know, just like I said, keep plugging him in in, the, in that DB two DB three spot. And then the real important question of this matchup: Are you watching this on Disney Plus? in Andy's playroom when they toyify all these players real time and make, try to make more money off of football in Disney plus. Now I might tune in, you know, for like a play or two, I'll probably be kind of busy that morning, but I mean, you can't miss it just for a little bit. I, as a single young male, I feel like I am the worst possible demographic for this kind of a stream. But you have some you have some young daughters. I I, yes. I would be more so curious what their response would be to that kind of stream if that'd be something they have some interest in. I've already tried to sell it to them, and they were like, "Is it going to be an Andy's to- playroom?" And I was like, "I think so." And they're like, "Yeah, let's watch it." And I was like, "Yes, more football there we go. in my house." <laughs> there we go. That's going to be a blast. I will say, I, I'm trying to come up with some sort of like offensive player analogy to how people feel about Chad Muma, like a player that people were really high on when he was drafted and he just got drafted to the worst situation. And everybody thought, Oh, eventually he's just going to beat out the guy that's ahead of him. And then just like never did because that's just what happens. So I don't know, maybe we touch back on this later. Cause I've just been kind of like trying to figure it out, but I, Chad Muma's supporters are few and vocal. There are, you know, there are dozens of us, I think is, is how the quote goes. And I, you know, I understand where they're coming from. They really want him to be a thing. And if he ever was going to be a thing, this would be the week that he would be. But no, he's not beating out Devin Lloyd for snaps. Devin Lloyd was on the sideline because he was injured, not because he was benched. So I guess we can call that kind of a a revision to kind of some earlier sentiments about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because now that we have more information, we know why he was on the sideline. It's it's just an injury thing. Chad Muma is the backup there. It's not what happened last year. You don't need to panic on Devin Lloyd. So just, you know, felt like it was worth giving some clarity to that situation. Our next game we're going to talk about here is the Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. This game is going to be an absolute. Oh, my gosh, this game's going to be a heater. I think uh, is, is what the young people would say. There's your your uh, 
your Gen Z vernacular update of the week. This game's going to be an absolute heater. So definitely going to be one worth watching. And the guy that I'm going to start here, I'm going to go out on a limb say and, and say start David Long because YOLO, you know, it's a great matchup. And even if he has less than a full time role, uh, less than a full time role, he, he should be efficient enough to still score some points in your starting lineup as like a linebacker four type if needed. His snaps have been climbing since that week one confusion situation, but I'm still not entirely sure if his snap rate is as a result of uh, Andrew Van Ginkle playing more on the edge to fill in for Jalen Phillips because we haven't really seen a healthy Jalen Phillips in a full game since week one. So like, there is still some risk if we see a healthy Jalen Phillips play a full game. Maybe AVG moves back to off-ball linebacker, which pushes David Long down. I'm not sure. He's been playing well, so I think, you know, maybe he's kind of earned some staying power. Um, talk about a guy that's still working on, you know, earning some staying power, though, is Brandon Jones. I'm calling him a sit this week, not just because, like, you were considering starting him. You probably weren't considering starting him, but I just wanted to bring his name up and mention that he's not quite back yet. He's getting more and more snaps every single week, and his time is coming. So enjoy Deshaun Elliott while he lasts because he's not going to last for the entirety of the season. If you can sell Deshaun Elliott, I mean, if you can sell basically any IDP, I would, but, you know, Deshaun Elliott specifically just because his time is coming for, you know, relevance is going to kind of taper out as, as Brandon Jones plays more snaps. But in the meantime, just keep your eye on Brandon Jones because he is an incredibly talented player and, should be a great chess piece for this defense once he's back to a full-time role. Yeah, and on, on the other side, we got the Bills. Um, you know, the other half of this heater, as I've heard the kids say. <laughs> Floyd and Russo, uh, both have had great starts so far um, in favorable matchups. Um, this one, not as great of a matchup. So when you look at uh, taking on the Miami Dolphins, you have uh, Tua, who has one of the fastest times to throw no actually has the fastest time to throw out of any quarterback with at least 50 dropbacks and yet somehow still has um i think one of the highest a dots as well too with his wide receiver so this guy is literally just making magic out there um but you know between those two things um i just don't see how floyd and rousseau are going to be able to have as strong of a matchup here um with uh Tua getting the ball out as quickly as he does and obviously they have a renewed focus with their running game too so I'm a little nervous for them, so maybe not full sit, but you know, slight fade uh, for Floyd and Rousseau here in the matchup against the Dolphins. Um, moving into the secondary, Taron Johnson. So primarily plays the slot for the Bills. Um, the nice thing is, is what we've seen from him each week is uh, an increase in usage. So it went from 69%, 80, all the way up to 89% this last week. Um, you know, playing that slot role, we like to see that tackle floor. Um, he's looked good. Um, even with limited targets and coverage. So playing well in run defenses, um, like we said, that's what kind of helped brings that floor up from those slot corners. Uh, now you get the the Miami Dolphins who are, have their very prevalent and love their outside zo zone running scheme. Um, this should be something where playing on the edge like that should be a huge advantage for Taron Johnson. And he's a definite sit for me, especially in cornerback required leagues. And I like him even in that mid-tier kind of defensive back DB3 range as well. Yeah, man. Great. A, a great start this week. I agree with you, too. You know, it's it's tough, right? Because you have good edge rushers, but if they don't get to the quarterback because he threw the ball before you got to him, then you don't get a sack. And that's exactly what's happening here in this game. He's just getting the ball out so quickly. So let's go ahead and move on to the tank bowl. 
Denver Broncos at the Chicago Bears. Uh, I don't know if the Denver Broncos even have their own first round pick this upcoming season. Maybe you can remind me if that's the case, but I don't think so. That's that's a really tough situation to be in. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure Saints fans are elated to hear about this. I haven't seen a whole lot of talk about like Saints fans actually being in contention for like Caleb Williams simply because the Denver Broncos are so bad. Anyways, that's a that's a, another conversation for another time. Here is an interesting start that I'm not super convicted about, but I'm still going to bring it up and let you guys make your own decision because Drew Sanders started to get some work in week three. The reason for that is because the guy starting above him, Josie Jewell, suffered a groin injury. Now, Sanders didn't play very well. He had a tackle efficiency of only 2% and a PFF grade of 27.4. And he was not used as a pass rusher for a single snap, which is strange because I know there was a lot of talk about his athleticism as a pass rusher. So that seems a little counterintuitive. And there is really just not that much sack upside as a result of that. However, sometimes all you need are snaps. And I really, the best strategy here is just throw them on the trade block and, you know, see if anybody else is biting because, you know, just the, 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 the idea of him getting a, a full-time workload could be enough for some managers to just be like, Ooh, Drew Sanders, rookies, they're exciting. Like I'm going to trade for that guy. And then he goes out there and has kind of a midweek. Um, he could have a decent week. I'm not like, like I said, I'm not super convicted about it. I just know that he is in line to get a lot of snaps and, Usually that leads to some production. The amount of production, I think, is probably less than what most managers would hope for. And so that's why I would like to sell him. But this isn't a sell-buy show. This is a start-sit show. So that's kind of how I'm weaseling that kind of content in there. But a guy I do like this week is Nick Benito. Um, this is really more of a deep league play, but it's a really, really great matchup against the Bears. He leads the team in pressures, sacks, and pressure rate. And it's not particularly close. And he's basically the only guy there that's going to be doing that, at least until Baron Browning returns next week. We'll see what he looks like as far as being a productive contributor to the team, assuming he's even ready to come back in week five. But in the meantime, Nick Benito is definitely a guy you could consider as an upside play in some deeper leagues. Yeah, for me, I'm taking a look at Tremaine Edmonds. Now, he's, he's still a start for me. But this is maybe more just as a call out of, you know, down to 56 snaps in this in his last week here in week three. Still put up eight tackles, but I just really concerned as to see why he's coming off the field. I, and I, you know, didn't watch the game and tried to dig into anything. I could not find anything specific to an injury. So, so maybe someone out there can correct me if if you're listening. And you're like, oh yeah, he hurt his you know elbow in the third quarter. Okay, cool. Maybe that's all it was then, but I, I haven't been able to find anything in my research or digging into it. So just just a little kind of nugget to hold on to, right? I, I mean, I know they paid him the big contract, but if you know they're they're already making some shifts because this is this team is off to a horrendous start, as as Evan so aptly kind of alluded to with the tank bowl uh narrative here. So um one other player, Yannick Ngakwe. You know, maybe maybe you still have him on your team, or maybe he's on waivers because you know, that's really all there's out there. Sometimes you, you're kind of picking from the trash heap. Well, uh, this is a good week for Yannick Ngakwe. Um, the Broncos haven't allowed uh, a tremendous amount of pressure, but when they've allowed them, 
their teams are teams and players are definitely getting home. And Yannick is probably the only player on this Bears front that's looking to create some pressure this week or has maybe necessarily the ability to for us. And so if you gotta you gotta get in there, I'm okay starting him in a little bit kind of deeper league in that DL three range. Yeah, and I do want to say he the, the the Broncos do have their first round pick uh, in 2024. They don't have their second. That was what was part of the the package for I think Sean Payton. Okay, I'm I'm actually glad you corrected me there because I'm I'm sure some Saints fans probably just like crashed their car a little bit. Like, wait a minute, hold on, we're in the Caleb Williams. No, you're not. Sorry. <laughs> um, at least not not yet. We'll see about Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. But uh, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe had a great week one, and then we called him a bench these past two weeks, and he was trash. This could be the chance. So if you if you got the guy or you need a guy, you know, if you weren't going to start him this week, you're probably never going to. So I, I like this matchup for him. Let's go ahead and move on to the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is pretty much an ideal matchup for everyone on the Ravens. The Browns just in general lead the league in points generated for IDPs as a whole. So start everybody. But, you know, more specifically, Start Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, you're starting Kyle Hamilton. This is more of just a flex about our show last week where we said, trust the process. We know he's been bad, but you just have to keep starting him. And if you listened, congrats, you got the number one highest IDP score of the week. If you didn't, you're probably punching yourself in the face right now. So hashtag trust the process. Start Kyle Hamilton. He's good. He's got great usage. This is a great matchup. Do it. Will you get the number one IDP? Eh, unlikely but I don't care. He's, he's a good player. So, you know, you're welcome. If you listened, another guy would starts to Davion Clowney. He's actually been surprisingly good this year. I, I feel like we kind of have like prospect fatigue is a, a term used mostly for like rookie scouting, but I feel like we sort of are fatigued of Davion Clowney just because he's a guy that's been around for a while and isn't the most exciting, but he's actually been playing quite well for the Ravens this year. And this is a great matchup. Like I mentioned, he actually leads the team in pressures and win rate. And it's not particularly close, just like Nick Benito in the Broncos. So this is a decent matchup for him. You could start him as like a DL3, DL4. I would prefer to start him as a deeper option. But, you know, if you need a guy, he could definitely be a guy for you in a spot. Well, speaking of someone who is the guy, uh, Grant Delpit. Now, this last week, maybe, you know, if you're one of those box score hunters or you're just looking at, you know, what what he put up in your platform for you, um, just know that the context, right, they only had 47 snaps on that defense. They, they were very, very limited in their opportunity. Um, on average, you know, teams are running somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 59 to, you know, 68 plays, you know, give or take, you know, game script and, and successes of the teams overall. Right. So to be all the way down at 47 opportunities as a team in terms of defensive snaps played, you're going to get some outliers, some poor outlier in terms of IDP performance. So, so just, you know, don't let yourself get fooled by that. Keep firing up Grant Delpit. So I think, I think we knew that by name and by his performance already, but just, just like to call that out for him. Um, Zadarius Smith uh, continues to generate pressures and wins, but remains empty in the sack department. With that said, I really like this matchup against the Ravens. Um, I really love to target quarterbacks with long time to throw. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is definitely one of those. Um, Zadarius, you know, being able to generate the pressures and have strong win percentage numbers in those pass rush sets, that's, that's exactly what we're looking for. 
and I really believe he's going to find his way um, into the sack column this week, especially when you look at just on average, right, and, and what we would expect based on uh, generated pressures from converting into sacks. We'd expect to see Zadarius at least a sack and a half already. Um, and so the fact that he's got none in this favorable matchup, in my opinion, I'm comfortable starting Zadarius Smith this week. Uh, and lastly, I probably sound like a broken record, probably sound like I got some sort of bias against them, but I'm really out on this linebacker room in Cleveland. They they continue to have, you know, rotation. They continue to have limited uh, utilization. And you know what? It's working on the NFL field. So don't expect this to change anytime soon. Um, maybe, maybe I'll, hopefully there'll be an away team soon and you can stop hearing me talk about the Cleveland linebacker room and, and Evan can handle that next week. So. And I absolutely will, because this Cleveland defense is like they have a very, very strong case to be made as the best defense in the league right now. They are absolutely crushing it. And like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The way they're using their linebackers is working for them. They're grading really, really well as as well. And it's going to continue to be annoying for fantasy managers. So I had to drop Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Um, it was painful, but. Sometimes you just got to do it. So, you know, let go of your priors, I think, is one of the best things you can do as a manager to set yourself up for success. And this is a great example of a situation where you can do that. Let's go ahead and move on to the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Now, it's not a great matchup for defensive tackles or safeties, but it is ideal for edge rushers. And against the Titans, I'm sure you're not surprised why. And so I'm I'm doing the one-two punch, bang, bang. I'm going to tell you to start Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard because they're the two starting edge rushers, and this is about as simple as a call as it, as it gets. So my reasoning here for Trey Hendrickson, he's I, – I just want to sing his praises. I, I did a little bit last week, but he continues to be amazing. He leads all edge rushers in the entire league with at least 40 pass rush snaps in true pass set win rate. The entire league. That's higher than Miles Garrett. That's higher than TJ Watt. That's higher than Nick Bosa. I'm not saying he's better than those guys per se. I'm just saying like he is winning in true passing situations at a higher rate than even those guys are. So sure, bump him down a little bit from there because obviously he's not at their level. And still, that's higher than probably what most people think of Trey Hendrickson. He is having himself a very, very solid season in the predictive stats category and no better matchup than this one to take advantage of that. So I, I would be totally shocked if he doesn't have like two sacks or something outrageous in this game. So definitely be putting him in your starting lineups, find a way to get him in there. And I will also mention Sam Hubbard. He doesn't have as much sack upside, but everyone is having a great game versus the Titans offense. So if you've got Hubbard, this is the week to start him too. And like I said, if you're not going to start him this week, when will you start him? Because this is about as good a matchup as it gets for a guy like him. All right. Well, on, on the other side for the Titans, um, I think we saw a little bit of what to expect from this Bengals offense here in the coming weeks as Joe Burrow is recovering from a calf injury. And that's probably some of the, the lowest A dots you're going to see for some of these wide receivers and getting the ball out of his hands very quickly. And that is going to bode quite well for Roger McCreary, in my opinion. Um, he's already been targeted 19 times uh, through the first three games, four, six, and nine. But he's he's managed to pile up 15 tackles alongside those targets. Um, in a game that, like I said, you're going to probably see a lot of quick, short throws. 
I think volume is going to be the king in this matchup. And Mercury is a, is a solid start um, in cornerback leagues, as well as, you know, a mid start in terms of those DB leagues right on sleeper. So in that DB three, four range, I think this is just going to be something where we're just watching him pile up the tackles as the, as the Bengals try to, you know, move, move the ball through the short game um, through the air. Uh, on the other side or on the front uh, part of that defense, Danico Autry, it's on a three game sack streak. And you know what, even with, uh, the passing attack potentially switching up. Um, I still think that Danico Autry is someone who he finds a way to keep that sack streak rolling, right? And he picks up his fourth straight game with a sack. And I think this has a lot to do with, you know, how he's played so far this year. He's been able to win pretty consistently. And Bengals still took some shots downfield um, in that game. And I think it's going to be a limited opportunity, but I like what we've seen from Autry so far. And the tackles have not been stellar yet either for the Bengals. Uh, I think he finds a way to get home and uh, give us one more sack to keep the streak alive. I love it. Yeah, Danico Autry, man, dude just keeps on chugging along. You love to see it. Our next matchup is the Los Angeles Rams at the Indianapolis Colts. This is the first game where I have seen the line just be zero. Now, I'm, I use PFF Green Line for grabbing these lines right before we go live, so I get the most recent versions. And what they have li- written on their website is quite literally just neither team is favored. So closest matchup we've got so far, we're going to talk about the biggest discrepancy in uh, you know the lines, I guess, later on in this episode. But we'll, we'll save that for later. I've got the Rams here, and uh, the guy that I want to mention here is Byron Young, their rookie edge rusher. Now, He leads all of their edge rushers in pressures and snaps, and it's not even close. It's a pretty solid matchup, too, against the Colts here, regardless of who they have starting at quarterback. Also, shout out to Byron Young being a part of that underdog parlay that I put together. Um, I needed him to get below, what, five and a half tackles, and he hit five tackles. Dude is scaring me. He's just so productive. So uh, thank you for helping me win $600 on a $20 bet, but I uh, I will quit while I am ahead. Uh, Another guy that I'm significantly less excited about, but I'm still telling you to start him, it's Christian Roseboom. Um, It's really not that exciting. It's pretty meh. Uh, But the the Colts play a few more snaps than average. And, you know, maybe Roseboom gets lucky in tackles and just, you know, has a a spike week. (laughs) This is not a very convicted... Not a very convicted start. Am I inspiring you to throw him into your starting lineup? Probably not. It's really not an exciting play whatsoever. But if you need some upside, maybe consider him. Maybe you have Devondre Campbell and Troy Anderson and uh, Devin Lloyd. And, you know, you're just that one dude whose entire linebacker room is just devastated. Uh, Christian Roseboom has a, you know, sort of a low floor. But his ceiling is high enough that, you know, there's at least a justification to put him in your lineup this week. Evan Ronda's locked and loaded. Meh, start of the week. Oh, <laughs> oh Just, my yeah, god! You really sold me on the rose. You really sold me on a rose boom there. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to fire him up uh, for the Colts. Uh, a lot of this, I should say, a lot of it, but uh, a big thing for me is really paying attention to what is happening on the Los Angeles side first. Uh, if they're missing their starting tackles or if there's their experience issue issues, missing their left tackle, and they got to start shifting people around on that offensive line again. We saw what that looks like last year. And that was where teams just feasted on, on them. And you saw the Bengals do that. They were already getting some pressure and, and Hendrickson, as Evan talked about earlier is elite, 
but oh my goodness, if, if you give if you give some of these guys that kind of uh, advantage, they're going to just feast for sure. And if that's the case, Pay, Samson Ebucom, I mean, obviously Buckner playing more in the interior, but you know, Samson and Quiddy, you got to be firing them up if they're if they're having any sort of injuries um, on on the outside for for the Rams. And yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if they don't pile up three, four, five team sacks um, at that rate with this defensive front. Um, on the less exciting side of things, uh, this is probably my Jake Colligan's meh sit of the week, maybe. I don't know. And that, I mean, Shaq Leonard, he continues to see limited usage. So 50 to 72 snaps, um, you know, he's, he's, he's falling into his tackles. He's, you know, he's piling up those stats, you know, that, that it's going to happen. And that's why we always talk about volume, uh, especially to help deliver a solid floor for us. But, uh, his, his big play upside is all but evaporated for me at this point. And, you know, you're really just looking at someone who's a volume guy and he's not getting, you know, 90% of the snaps, 95% of the snaps. And, and for me, that really puts him squarely more in that, that LB3, LB4 range. So if you're, if you're deep enough league, I mean, you're, you're still starting them. But, I mean, if you haven't already listened to advice prior to this and tried to move on from him based on, you know, name value and, and previous stuff, try to otherwise just hold out hope that somehow the form the years the previous year's form somehow magically returned for him listeners i'm going to give you guys a crash course in data analysis you guys ready for this in week one shaquille leonard played 86 percent of defensive snaps in week two he played 71 percent of defensive snaps in week three he played 69 percent of defensive snaps so that's 86 to 71 to 69 i it doesn't take a degree in data analysis to know that number is going down every single week. So don't don't get too excited about Shaquille Leonard. I, I'm, you know, I'll refer to what Josh was mentioning on the uh, weekly recap episode. He just doesn't look great out there on the field. EJ Speed is definitely a guy you should be keeping your eye on. His usage will probably continue to trend up as the season progresses, almost to a point potentially where if Shaquille Leonard even manages to stay healthy, Speed could still be the better guy to have. So definitely monitor that situation. Let's go ahead and move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. Now, this is a pretty solid matchup on the Buccaneers end for their defensive players. It's a pretty good, solid matchup for defensive linemen, uh, but not so much for safeties and linebackers. So I'm going to mention some defensive linemen. Shocker. The guy I'm going to mention first is Joe Tryon Shoyinka. Um, Pretty simply here, he's got a really strong true pass set pressure rate, and the Saints are a good matchup for defensive linemen. Sometimes that's all you need. That's really the formula for, for these projection episodes is I look at predictive metrics. I say, is this guy a good football player? Is he winning? If so, great. That's a boost in the positive direction. How does this defense generally do for generating fantasy points? Because sometimes, you know, winning your matchup isn't everything. You still need to get tackles. You still need to get sacks. And what the quarterback or what the other team does matters for that. And if those two things line up, great. Expect an above average performance from a player. So this is less meh than Christian Roseboom. Um, but it's still, you know, great. Look at what Joe Tryon Shinka has done. What's a regular expectation performance from him and just boost it up by like 10%. Maybe, you know, 60 percentile outcome week for Joe Tryon Shoyinka. Uh, a guy that is very, very exciting, though is Vitavea. 
as strong as the Saints matchup is for edge rushers, it's even better for defensive tackles. Uh, Veyes had a stronger pass rush win rate than Joe Tryon Shoinka, and this could be a great week to fish for sacks versus Jameis Winston. So, again, same process. It's just more strong in the start him direction than uh, the JTS's was. It's it's a really great matchup. He's a great player. I think he's going to get a sack this week. So I'm not seeing any, you know, 0.5 sack prop bets for Vita Vea lying around anywhere. But if I did, I'd, I would bet the over on that easily. Oh, I like that a lot. I love the always focusing on some of those big guys on the inside. So uh, for the Saints, I'm looking at Alante Taylor. Huge week three. Um, played, played awesome. Um, and hopefully, you know, you were able to have him in your lineup for that. Uh, you know, week one started off 70% utilization, but weeks two and three here now, uh, 98%. So really, really love seeing that near full-time usage now, um, getting a lot of run inside uh, at the slot defender position, but then moving outside um, to continue and play um, or stay on the field so you can be a playmaker for that defense. Um, the thing that really has me excited, though, for him, and obviously I don't think we can call this a trend yet because that's one week, so I don't think one data points a trend. Right, you're a data analysis expert, you said earlier, Evan, so I think that checks out. All right, perfect. Uh, <laughs> but but he did. He had four pass rush opportunities, and that's the thing I really want to keep an eye on for him. If that's something where they're making that a regular part of their game plan where they want to utilize him and run defense or pass rush opportunities like that. That's only going to raise his floor, potentially giving him the big play upside, right? He got home and got the sack here in week three. If we keep giving him those chances, um, I think we're going to love what we see from Alante Taylor. And he goes from, you know, a locked in cornerback start uh, to uh, a locked in DB three for us with that kind of upside. Uh, uh, for someone else, though, Demario Davis. It's always been getting the snaps. It's always been good for pass rush opportunities. You know, that was always kind of one of his trademarks. You know, he's always good for three, five, six sacks uh, most seasons. And we love that for the big play upside from our linebackers for sure. But the tackle efficiency year over year, um, and especially already this year, is already dropping off pretty quickly. Um, and the reliability of him, you know, giving you some of that big play upside while still having some sort of stable floor definitely seems to be fading pretty quickly. And for me, if you, if you got to put him in, in that LB four range, fine. But for me, he's, he's in that sit fade kind of uh category for me where, you know, I would even be considering like a Nathan Landman, right? Like, do I take the unknown uh, potential there for someone who's got pretty low tackle efficiency, but might, might have a little bit more. Like those are the kind of thoughts that are already starting to creep into my head with the Mario Davis, which is sad. He's been an IDP stalwart for us, but at some point, you know, everyone kind of fades into the sunset. Hmm. Beautiful. What a send off. Um, let's go ahead and just jump right into our next game. A eh, shall we? The Washington commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the best matchup for safeties. Just period. Number one in points generated for safeties. The Eagles offense is the best at it. It's also pretty good for linebackers. So would you be surprised if I told you that I'm recommending you start a safety? You shouldn't be because I am. And the safety I'm going to mention is Derek Forrest. Why? Well, because, you know, we'll get into it later. Let's just say it's the ideal matchup for safeties for starters. Forrest has had solid usage and this week. That usage should pay off. He's had 40% of his snaps in the sweet spot. He's got an 8% tackle efficiency. That's about expectation. 
right? Not, he, he hasn't been overproducing for his usage. That's about what you'd expect to see. So just look at his game log so far this season and give it a boost. Just, you know, expect that it's a little better than that because it's likely that that's what's going to happen here. So if Derek Forrest is kind of a borderline startable guy for you and you're kind of choosing between him and some somebody else, that's your tiebreaker to put Derek Forrest in your starting lineup this week. And I know I was talking down on him last week, but I've changed my tune. Let's just say, call me a hypocrite if you will. I don't care because I'm staying true on my belief about Chase Young being a great football player. And shocker, he's a great football player. Breaking news, dude that was drafted second overall in the draft as one of the most talented edge rushers we've seen come out in a while was actually a good football player. Whoa. It's almost like he was injured for the first like three years of his career. Um, sorry, you guys. I'm a slightly passionate about this because Chase Young's good at football. He's already leading the team in win rate and true pass at win rate and pressure rate. It's not exactly the ideal matchup against the Eagles offensive line, but I really just want to mention that Chase Young should be considered an every week starter at this point. He's already ascended into that tier of like the Josh Allens or uh, you know, who are some other guys that are kind of in the rings where there's like, yeah, yeah, like they're really, really good. You should be starting them every single week. They might not produce for you every single week, but they're like, they're good enough that they deserve to be there. I feel like Josh Allen's kind of a good example of that. He really is. And I'm just like blanking so hard right now. Yeah, I'm uh, putting ourselves on the spot here. Quiddy pay. Maybe like, sure. Maybe like uh Hassan Reddick, who I, you know, maybe yeah. you'll mention here in this next, in this next section. I see you have really subtly here in in this uh, massive bold text written just a little note here about the commanders. So I'm going to go ahead and let you, you know, talk about that before you talk about the Eagles. I love Cam Curl. <laughs> That's all. I just wanted you guys to know that. And I thought that, you know, I'd put that out there for Addy. So um, he's he's awesome. Fire him up, guys. Um, for the Eagles, you know, you talked about, hey, when you get this top draft capital, People talk about you as the number one talent in the draft class, and you know, and then and then they draft you as such. And hey, look at that, Jalen Carter. Um, he's amazing, and I feel like we've said this every week. And so, I'm I'm gonna stop after this week. I promise. He is, you know, he, you're firing him up as a DT, um, and DT required leagues. Um, you should have, you know, some kind of maybe lowered expectations, right? Like I'm not telling you he's gonna go out there and, and put AD numbers up. Um, because they're still, you know, working it through as a rotation. Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis generally are getting the starts, and they tend to have, you know, the slightly higher snap percentage. But Jalen Carter is just absolutely wrecking the game when he gets out there, um, and he's finding ways to make splash plays. Maybe he doesn't always get the sack every time, um, but he's, you know, he's making big plays uh, in the backfield and run defense. And yeah, so you should be very, very confident with Jalen Carter moving forward if you weren't already. Um, Zach Cunningham. Someone who we used to be super confident in in his early days in Houston, um, you know, is probably back to that uh, that viable playing situation again here with the with the Eagles. If you haven't already gotten to that point, so um, again, maybe more in that you know LB three range. Uh, but he loves to run downhill and he loves to run into people holding onto the ball, and he does that really well. Not a whole lot else that he does great, um, but you know what. Uh, they got enough uh, other talent on that defense that it allows Zach Cunningham to just be Zach Cunningham and and make him a viable starter again for us. So, um, and lastly, uh, to you know, I got to talk about uh, safety. I love. I know there's one that Evan loves, and 
Reed Blankenship. Um, I know it's early for his you know full time role and experience. He's got seven games where he's designated as a starter and and saw you know fifty plus snaps to really kind of qualify in that role too. Uh, and all he's done with that is in five of those seven games, earned a minimum of five total tackles in every single one of them, um, a minimum of four solos in all those as well. Heck, even in some of those non-starter games, he still tallied, tallied higher t- uh, total tackle numbers too. Um, he just he really tends to play downhill, and he is strong in, in his tackling, and he's consistent, so he doesn't need uh, an overabundance in terms of opportunities. He makes the most out of what he got. So, um you know, talk kind of about that steady Eddie and Rayshon Jenkins. He does it more from that sweet spot alignment. Reed's kind of doing it more from that that deep role, but he's proven what he is up to this point, and, I, and I'm comfortable riding with him as such. Thank you for that. I really needed, I really needed to hear some Reed Blankenship love. Uh, I will also say Zach Cunningham saw a slight dip in sa- uh, in snaps in Week Three. That's just because he had a rib injury. That is why you saw some work from Christian Ellis. As of today, he was limited in practice, so no concerns there. Let's go ahead and move on to the Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. Um, Most things in this matchup are about even, with the exception of it's a slight plus matchup for cornerbacks here against the Panthers' offense. However, it doesn't matter how good the matchup is for defensive linemen, because the entire Vikings defensive line that's not named Daniel Hunter sucks. Elite analysis. I am really hoping to see Marcus Davenport come back healthy and be a contributor. I really do believe in him. Um, but I don't believe in DJ Wanham. He has historically shown us that he doesn't get pressures. And as such, he quite literally has a 0% true pass set win rate on just as many snaps as Daniel Hunter does. So... Not only is he like not really getting to the quarterback, he straight up is not winning like a single rep. Can I make this any clearer for our listeners? He's not he's not going to score you fantasy points consistently or ever. Maybe you know an accident occasionally, but also his snaps are going to dip whenever Marcus Davenport does come back healthy. So just keep that in mind. I feel like I need to to counter that negativity with some positivity. So let's just sing some praises about Ivan Pace Jr. once again, because he's incredible. The short king, you love to see. Uh, He's being used as a pass rusher as well, because this defensive line is hot trash, and they're trying to get pressure on the quarterback any way that they can. And Pace continues to be one of the highest graded defensive rookies in the entire league, which is awesome. I mean, it's like Jalen Carter at the top, one other dude who I forget, uh, I know Christian Gonzalez is like number four, but Ivan Pace is right up there with the rest of them. He's not some niche name anymore. He is absolutely making his name known. So Ivan Pace, great. I'll also give a quick shout out to Josh Metellus. He's their third safety, but they're like just running three safeties and having all three dudes kind of rotate, sort of kind of like how the Cowboys have done in the past with the dudes that they had that I'm not going to try and force myself to name off the dome on the spot. But Josh Mantellis was a full-time player last week. I don't believe that was a fluke and it's a good matchup. So he could be a starter in deeper leagues as well. All right. Then for the Panthers, uh, Xavier Woods, uh, unfortunately uh, out uh, most likely this week uh, with that. Sam Franklin jr. Seems to be the next man up there for him. Um, 
not really sure what that's going to do for you in most leagues. If you if you're really deep and you need someone, you can you can throw them out there. But it's not someone I'm looking to do unless again really in a case of an emergency. Um, but then Deion Jones is looking like he's kind of a thing again. I guess um, you know splitting splitting the the middle of that defense a bit with Camu Gruger Hill, but. Our favorite surfing KGH is making the most out of his time there uh, with his snap. So, so for me, you know, I think Deion Jones, we're not looking to start him at this point. If you really got to pick someone up out of that linebacker room and and, it's, and they're still there, it's Kamu Gruger Hill for sure. Um, I, I just like what he's been able to do um, with the, with his opportunities there in Houston. I know he's kind of a journeyman, can't really stick around, but finds a way to be very, very relevant for us for IDP when given those opportunities. Um, then some other injury news, right? So, um, Troy Hill got moved to outside cornerback. Uh, Xavier Woods is out and seems like Jeremy Chin full-time slot now, question mark. That's what it appears, at least from what we saw as things shifted. Now that's mid game. So that might just kind of be the, the emergency plans there. Not certain that's a hundred percent what we'll see this week, but I think it's it's safe to say that it's a very likely chance. Um, I'm okay if you want to put him out there because the volume should keep him safe, but I still think we need to have lowered expectations of what we had from Jeremy Chin when he came into the league. You know, everyone was pumping him up as a rookie, and you know, big year, second year, or some big plays or some big weeks year two. I just. I, I don't have the same level of excitement as we ever did in, in those early years. So, again, if you got him already, he's much better due to the volume play. So in that DB three-ish, four-ish range. But, I again, I'd keep the expectations pretty low at this point in, in moving forward unless he can show us a consistent resurgence over the next few weeks. I want to take a quick moment to dispel some misinformation that I have seen floating around regarding De- Deion Jones. Yes, he started the game. But I think listeners need to understand that it's not this binary like start or didn't start. If you start, you play every snap. And if you didn't, then you sit the bench the entire time. Defenses are a lot more nuanced than that. Guys rotate in and rotate out. If you don't believe me, go watch the game. I have Game Pass for the sole reason of ever getting to watch football because sometimes being a data analysis requires some context. And the context for this is go watch the game. Deion Jones was on the field for the first snap, then the second snap, then the third snap. Then Kamu Gruger Hill was on the field for like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. They shared the field at times. There were times when KGH was on the field and Deion Jones wasn't, and like, you know, vice versa. Here's the more important note, however. Frankie Luvu did not practice on today. That is Wednesday's practice report. If he misses, both players should see a massive workload. KGH's ceiling is massively increased. And Deion Jones' theoretical ceiling is massively increased, but I kind of think the dude is insanely washed. So just please don't feel safe putting him in your lineup. Like, I want you to wince when you press the button. You can still press the button, but I want you to to make a measured response in how difficult that transaction was for you. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Jake and Evan Bowl. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. Do we want to do our player picks first, or do we want to talk about, I think, maybe what we'll do about this game? Sure. I mean, what are you thinking? 
so I I want something that's you know we got something on stake here at, at stake here, but obviously you know. Uh, loser shaves their head isn't really a fair matchup considering one of oh. us already has a shaved head, Jake. Dang it. Um, I was going to say, I like my years. odds. <laughs> yeah. Give me a couple of years. I'm sure the hair will start falling out sooner or later. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by Keeps, but we are open <laughs> to recommendations. Um, how about this, Jake? How about this? Uh, the loser has to have a tweet written by the winner sent out on their account. So if the Steelers win this game, I'm going to tweet something on your Twitter account, or I guess your X account. And if the Texans win this game, you'll tweet something on my account. How's that? I like that. And I, I think I think we know each other well enough and respect each other enough. We're not going to go cancel worthy here, but we'll have some fun with this for sure. I like it. Deal. Let's do this. Awesome. So listeners, um, keep your eyes on Twitter after this game and see see what shows up. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Steelers defense how nice that we get to talk about our own teams. Unfortunately, my team's defense is extremely uninteresting to talk about. It's just so not fun for fantasy. It's like Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, the end. Um, but if you have those guys, you're already starting them. So I can't tell you to start them. So what I will do is I will list some very, very yucky, deep potential starts because I'm going to look at some more predictive analysis I'm going to look at the matchup and I'm going to say, all right, based on what a medium expectation, a median, not medium, a median expectation is for this player, what's the chance that they hit like a 60th, 65th percentile range of outcome? Just slightly better than the middle. And the first guy I want to mention here is Quan Alexander. Now, they're a linebacker. He's number two or number three, depending on how you look at it, but he's number two in the linebacker rotation as far as snap rate goes. But he has a pretty high tackle efficiency. In fact, remarkably higher than Cole Holcomb, who is playing more snaps than him. This could do with where he's specifically lining up on the field. I haven't been able to to like chart it down so specifically outside of just like what PFF has. But it's possible that he's just in a position that leads to a slightly higher tackle efficiency. And this is a great matchup for linebackers here against the Texans. So we could see a bit of a spike week from Alexander. Maybe... Depending on how your league scores tackles, maybe Quan Alexander getting like eight combined tackles here. You know, maybe we see like 10 or 11. That could be a little on the high end, but it's not without the, you know, it's not outside the range of outcomes, I should say. If there was a week it would happen, this would probably be it. Another really disgusting but super deep start. Uh, the best Keanu on the Steelers. Keanu Benton, not Keanu Neal. Uh, it's, it's kind of a long shot play for sack really, but he has a great pass rush win rate and a great pressure rate. So if let's just say you're a Steelers fan and you want to flex on your Texans fan friend and start a Steeler against them, just throw the guy in and say, screw it, you know, or don't it's fine, but you know, it, it'd be fun to do. So this is really more of just like, keep your eye on Keanu Benton this week, Cam Hayward's out. They're going to need some beef up the middle. And he is that guy. He is another pretty highly graded rookie. He's not up there with like, you know, Ivan Pace and Christian Gonzalez and Jalen Carter, but he is playing remarkably well. And once again, Steelers drafting incredibly well. You'll love to see. How about your Texans, though? What are you thinking? I, I just got to give you some props on the Keanu Benton, too. I, I love him, right? So he played at Wisconsin. So I am well aware of him here as, as a Wisconsin resident. But uh, I, I was excited for him, and I felt like there wasn't a better place for him to end up in Pittsburgh. And I think he's gonna he's gonna show exactly 
you're right that they're geniuses in, in some of their draft work that they do over there. Um, but on, on the Texan side, so Jalen Petre, limited practice today on Wednesday. Um, however, for, in, my, in my opinion, I really wouldn't be that excited to fire him up again unless he can get to a full participant by Friday. Um, and just, you know, with with the chest injury and the scare that he had with everything there, I, I like I said, I'm I'm a little hesitant to see him roll out there um, and start jump right back into his full workload. So I, I would hold off on him again, unless we can get a full practice in by Friday for him. Um, if there is a safety or DB you'd like to target there, uh, Jimmy Ward seems to be back and play fully now again um, and showed that, you know, he can be, he can be a guy that can deliver for us out there in that Houston secondary uh, gets plenty of work out of the slot. So it gets near the line of scrimmage um, and just, you know, someone who's been able to be a, a a competent IDP deliverer for us in the past. So uh, that would probably be about it from that secondary that I'd be looking at at this point. Um, looking at the linebackers, Denzel Perryman, a DMP. Are you laughing because you were just reading the notes? Yeah, that was a go. And I was pretty proud of that. Uh, <laughs> so, so with Perryman as a, as a did not practice, two 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 is a go go <laughs> and i wrote it with all the extra o's and apostrophes for those who are trying to figure out what we're geeking out on um so with perryman out you, you gotta love henry and for that really if he we do see perryman back it, then it's just managing expectations right so no perryman lb2 we have a perryman lb34 because at this point i think that uh, he's locked in as the LB2 on that team, and it's just a matter of whether or not he's leading that defense because Perryman's out, or you know he's the number two riding alongside of him. Dude, that was Tom Foolery on the level of like <laughs> Sion Takitaki being a tackle tackle machine. Like, just this is this is elite content. This is why you guys listen. Um, yeah, I. I agree with this. I will also say Christian Harris continues to move down. I think he might be fourth on the depth chart now at this point behind Blake Cashman. So mm -hmm. rest in peace. Our Christian Harris dreams born 2022 died 2023. So really tough. I will also say I just got a notification. Christian Watson's going to make a season debut. I'm freaking stoked because my team needs him desperately. And I'm <laughs> people have been sending me garbage trade offers for him like multiple times a day, every single day. And I'm so, I'm so over it. I'm so over it. I, I cannot wait for him to go out there and just like, I just need the vindication of telling everyone how stupid they are for sending me stupid trade offers. No, I don't want Michael Gallup for Christian Watson. Shut up. All right. Anyways, I'm okay. I don't need therapy. You need therapy. Uh, next game, the Los Angeles Raiders at, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. I was close enough. It's a loss. Well, somebody's going to get a loss here. Well, dude, that shout out to the uh, their almost playoff game. What last year or two years ago? Raiders Chargers oh, were yeah. they tied. They both would have made the playoffs, and the Steelers would have been kicked out. I was sweating that game hardcore. That was wild. Okay, uh, against the Chargers, that is quite literally the worst matchup in the entire league for linebackers. I'm not saying you have to bench Divine Diablo and Robert Spillane. I'm just saying if you need a tiebreaker. It's a bad matchup, so maybe you could start somebody else over them. If you need a roll with them, it's fine. If you're in a deep league, you probably need to start them. I get it. Don't worry about it. Just note that like, maybe we see like a 40th percentile range of outcome. So just you know, keep, keep that in mind. I will say, however, this is the best matchup in the entire league for corners. So wow, the duality of the Los Angeles Chargers. 
because of that, obviously you're going to start Nate Hobbs. You've probably already been starting Nate Hobbs, but uh, look, I'm no Johnny the Greek with the cornerback streaming tips, but if I had to give you just one, perhaps Marcus Peters is the guy. Like I said, it's an elite matchup, and this could be enough to elevate him into spike week territory. So just keep an eye on him. If you're in a like start two cornerbacks league, I don't know how many of our listeners are in start two cornerback leagues, but Marcus Peters, if he's available, hey, maybe this is a week to start him. I'm just going to say I'm in a league where we start three cornerbacks. That, that's the kind of stuff I get involved in. Okay. Um, <laughs> on the Chargers side, uh, that linebacker room uh, getting pretty banged up. Eric Kendricks uh, missed a couple of weeks here now uh, with his hamstring injury, but he's a limited participant today. Uh, Kenneth Murray was a full DNP this, uh, this week uh, for today for Wednesday. So really the question is, you know, Eric Kendricks, Kenneth Murray, are we going to get one? Are we going to get either? Um, if not Nick Neiman season, and it is Nick because we confirmed that last time when, when Evan was calling it out and I, I got the wrong Neiman there. So, um, you know, this is kind of the same thing, right? If, if Kendricks is around, um, uh, I'd expect him to be there and, and make his return. And, you know, Neiman is going to come in as likely that LB two role then, and probably not a huge, uh, idea to uh, not really comfortable with starting Neiman, uh, when in the LB two role there. If he's the LB1, I'm okay firing him up uh, with Ke if Kendricks and Kenneth Murray are both out. Um, for the Week 3 matchup, the Chargers had a little bit of a breakout game from a, a good friend here. Uh, and I use that term very loosely. I don't actually know him, but I wish I did because nine pressures, three sacks on 64 snaps. Tuli Tuiapulu-Otu. I probably just absolutely destroyed that name incorrectly, but... That's probably just what he did to all the offensive linemen he faced last week. Um, just an, an amazing game. Um, you know, Bosa already a DNP for practice this week. I think this is a really good overall matchup for the edge rushers for the Chargers. So, you know, what is Double T going to do with this coming off a huge game? I think he finds a way to get back in there and, and make some plays happen. Uh, and for that, I'm, I'm going to be firing him up as a DL2, DL3 this week. Yeah, I think you nailed his name, Tui Tui Pilotu. Um, or is it oh Tuli 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 Tui Pilotu? Um, dude, I'm gonna. <laughs> I went to Hawaii twice. I can basically crush all these names. It's the most cringe thing I could possibly ever say. Um, wow. I'm okay. I'm trying to check on. I I was looking at the snap counts for this game. Sorry, I'm getting a little sidetracked. Derwin James, um, he he left the game early. He did mm -hmm. not participate in Chargers practice on Wednesday. We could be without Derwin James. I don't know if you mentioned this yet, but I'm just looking not. at this game. The dude that filled in for him looks to be JT Woods, potentially. Okay. Or um, let's see, who's the other guy? Alohi Gilman. Neither of them really played in the box a ton. It was really just more linebackers. I think Derwin James, I think Derwin James demands the usage, not the usage creates Derwin James. So I don't really think that, you know, JT Woods is going to hop in here and play the Derwin James role. I just think they're going to change up their defense a little bit, but just good to know what the situation is over there. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next game here. The New England Patriots at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Patriots boring i don't care whatever like let's just get this over with real quick juan bentley is linebacker he's been playing 100 of snaps throughout the entirety of the season all three weeks 
that is notable because it's the Patriots defense and they don't usually use players like that, but he's been pretty solid so far and uh, it's a good matchup. So there you go. Jawan Bentley, just worth noting. I, I usually just click on one of our like IDP show listener leagues or whatever, and then look at a, you know, a player's game log and, and see just how they've been doing. And I noticed that you have him in a league that we're in together. So you are probably much more, having your finger on the pulse of what Juwan Bentley is doing than I am, but um, good for you for being ahead of the game. I'll also <laughs> mention Jabril Peppers. I guess what, if I'm shouting you out, I'm going to shout myself out and say that I picked him up as my uh, safety. He might be a corner in on one platform that I play on. So I might be abusing some things a little bit, but picked him up as just an off the waiver guy. And check this out. He's played 88% of snaps in week one, 100% of snaps in week two, 95% of snaps in week three. That's, again, pretty impressive for a Patriots defensive player, especially considering Bill Belichick doesn't tend to give players consistent usage. He's played 41% of his snaps in the sweet spot so far, which isn't elite by any means, but it's a good number. And he also has pretty good upside and a higher floor than we're typically used to seeing from a New England defensive back. So I just want to give him a quick shout. He's probably more of like a you know, DB4, DB5 type, but he's got some good upside in this matchup. All right. Well, on the other side, uh, we got Jaron Curse. Um, continues to live inside the box um, and just remains a solid safety option. I think it's something where the numbers maybe haven't popped yet this season for IDP or for box score hunting, uh, but the utilization is, is aligned to what we've seen in years past. And I think you know we just got to keep riding that, and and you'll get the, some of those bigger games that you can expect from him soon. Uh, one of his other running mates in the in that three-headed safety uh, room that they Dan Quinn usually tends to run out. Uh, Donovan Wilson got his first game where he, you know, a full start here even, uh, but only 32 snaps. Uh, however, you know, kicking off this week, not on the injury report. So hopefully we can kind of get it, see him get back into the full complement of snaps we're used to him uh, playing. And, and as such, obviously see his floor raise up here as we move forward. So if you're in a pinch, uh, in your roster and you don't have the flexibility to move on from a Donovan Wilson, I think you can have more confidence firing him up this week uh, and expecting to see a little bit more from him. Uh, and then one name I just wanted to call out, uh, really not looking to start him in too many leagues, uh, Damone Clark, the Cowboys LB2, um, really only remaining uh, relevant in deeper league formats. And this just basically has to do with their utilization. And, you know, I talked about that they have a three, uh, three safety rotation that they're running out there more consistently. So, you know, a second linebacker just doesn't have nearly as much viability in this defense um, for us in these IDP formats. Let's go ahead and move on here to the Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, here's the game that has the biggest spread we've seen so far this season. The 49ers are favored by two touchdowns. So... I that's kind of interesting though because I I think about like the the Cardinals versus the the Cowboys last week how they had the same spread as Chiefs Bears and yet the Cardinals were the ones that covered and actually won the game. I know I don't think the 49ers are as much of a fraud team as the Cowboys are, but hmm. Cardinals are kind of playing some good football. Good for them. Um I I'm kind of worried that they're going to outplay Caleb Williams, so we'll see, but I mean, I guess they have a quarterback on the roster already who I guess has played at an MVP level before. So I guess you could consider just having Kyler Murray. Uh, but anyways, let's go and talk about some defensive players. 
Um, I will say this is a against the 49ers. It's a pretty bad matchup for DBs, but it's a pretty decent matchup for defensive linemen. So I'm going to give you some deep take it with a grain of salt plays. And the first guy I'm going to mention here is uh, Victor uh, Dimukeji. He's the edge rusher that's kind of just leading the team in all predictive metrics like snaps, win rate, pressures, etc. You know, he's got a similar number as another guy in most of those different categories, but he's the only one that's consistently high in all of them. And this could be the week that we see him have some production. Am I asking you to start him over any like bona fide stud? Absolutely not. But in the same way that we saw Dennis the Barbarian Gardeck have a really solid game against the uh who was that against week one the cardinals played a team i think it was sam howell i could be wrong it's the washington commanders yep yeah no the washington commanders are no you know san francisco 49ers but basically what i'm saying is there's always an opportunity for a spike week somewhere and uh uh victor could be the guy that benefits this week in a decent matchup somebody that i just don't believe will benefit is zavin collins which is just so sad um our our mutual love of Zavin Collins and our Zavin Collins signed memorabilia are crying tears of sadness because he's not good at, at at edge rusher. It's just he's not winning. He's not scoring points. He fell into a sack and got you a couple fantasy points, but you cannot start him. I know it's a decent matchup, but I I would need to see like two or three consistent weeks of him having a high true pass set win rate and producing before I trust him in a starting lineup. So I I don't expect to see that, but if I did, I would let you know. For the Niners, someone who was super exciting last year coming into the IDP scene, really blew up. Uh love the hair, loved you know the plays he made. You know, Telanoa Hufanga um really hasn't done much for us uh in terms of what we'd like to see in 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 those more predictive areas like you've talked about right so he has two interceptions through the first three games and i think that has helped prop up um, what he is or what he's showing us in terms of our idp box scores or on our platforms when we're looking at him but he has really been slid back into that that deep role um really just kind of playing center field now i know ed reed made it super fun and famous and, and relevant uh, I'm just not seeing that from Hufanga this year. That that wasn't what made him, you know, str- uh, a strong play last year. That wasn't where he made a lot of his hay. Uh, it was when he got close to the line. And so far this year, he's got about a 27% sweet spot utilization. Whereas last season, in totality, he played, you know, close to almost double that. You know, at 45%. Um, the, the talent is there, and you know, if you, it, it's hard to have the probably the sunken cost fallacy in your head right where i drafted this guy probably pretty high if i got him on my roster um but honestly i'd be looking to sell him um or i'd be i'd be you know playing with pretty low expectations potentially looking to find other things out there right and this is why we get it gets talked about plenty but you can draft your dbs later um you know you can be someone who pursues late round defensive backs um late round dbs people might say um (laughs) that's my handle on twitter that's the joke (laughs) um but yeah so i i'm just i'm really nervous for him this week uh and i'd be looking to sell high and move on at this point so 
a more stalwart name for that Niner defense that maybe we might not see this week. Uh, Dre Greenlaw already with a, a DNP for his ankle. So the name to be paying attention to is Oren Burks. Um, very likely a startable asset and um, how they'll run that defense out there. And, and Burke seems to be the next man up. He was already playing out there in you know three linebacker sets. And we saw the same exact thing with Aziz Al-Shair uh, a few years back when when they, I, th- I think it was Greenlaw as well, who went down with an injury and Jair stepped up and just took over that role. And the same thing could be said for Burks for this week here. Um, I will say there's like, there's like three linebackers here off waivers, right? There's Nate Landman who probably has the most long-term usage. There's Isaiah McDuffie for the Packers. And then there's Oren Burks here. If I just had to choose one of those three guys to start in week three or in week four, this, this upcoming week, Oren Burks is that guy. I, I have a much higher expectation for what he can produce than either of those other two. The 49ers defense, like I said earlier, it, they churn out productive linebackers. He's no different. He's going to have great usage, and he's a really talented player too. So really exciting to see what you know what, what he's going to do out there on the field. That's, that's all I got. Let's go ahead and move on to the Kansas City Chiefs at the New York Jets. Man, tough. Hey, you hear uh, you hear Taylor Swift is going to go to this game too? I did not hear that, but I, yeah. I've heard plenty about Taylor Swift, much more than I normally have lately. So. No, no, really? <laughs> Nobody's talking about Taylor Swift. She's some, like some super underground artist, um, kind of independent label, kind of... Right, we're going to talk football again. Chiefs, Here's the deal. You're going to start Drew Tranquil if Nick Bolton misses. It's it's a really simple if-then statement. Tranquil was productive in week three. He would have played more snaps if they weren't playing against, like, literally the worst team in football in the Bears. Sorry, Bears fans. I know you know it, so I'm just going to say the quiet part out loud. But he, he they took him off the field because they didn't need him anymore because the game was so far out of reach. They're like, why waste the – why, you know, why play the snaps? We don't need him. So in a game that's a little bit closer, and I think the Jets – as bad as they are, are better than the bears. They're going to keep them on the field for more snaps in the event that Nick Bolton does not play. I will have a hot take here though. This is probably my hottest take of the episode. I'm going to tell you to sit Legereus Sneed. Yeah. The dude that was drafted as the cornerback one in ADP. Sit that guy. You didn't like his week three production. Hmm. Well, It's probably going to be even worse in week four because the Jets are dead last in points generated for cornerbacks. And he's an outside corner. I know in his productive weeks in the previous parts of his career, he was doing the the Trent McDuffie role where he was playing in the slot and out wide and mixing it around. He's strictly an outside cornerback right now. You think you think Zach Wilson's going to be completing passes on the boundary down the field against, you know, Legereus need. No, like they're going to be running the ball a bunch. They're going to be playing very, very few offensive plays. And he's probably keeping the ball away from LeJerry Sneed as best as I can. Now, maybe you're over here like, well, yeah, but Zach Wilson's so bad. Like, what if he just throws an interception to LeJerry Sneed? Yeah, sure. If you want to you want to gamble on that, let me know how it goes for you, okay? I'll, I'll stay posted. If you guess right, great. Props to you. But I don't really like to make a living off of gambling on a dude getting an interception against a team that, like, their number one goal is to not throw you an interception and do everything they can to avoid that. So pick your fights, but this isn't one I would take. So let's go ahead and move on to those very same jets. 
All right. Well, on this side, really, who I want to talk about today is Marquishwa Henderson Williams. And that's because she's the mother of the two two guys I'm really excited about. And that's Quinnen and Quincy Williams. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Segway champion. Um, Quinnen Williams is the only defensive lineman in this matchup that I'm really looking to start. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of excitement for Jermaine Johnson. Uh, you know, John Franklin Myers, another one I've, I've, I've enjoyed what he's done so far this year, but this just doesn't abode to be a great matchup for them. I think in terms of actually converting any sort of pressure into sack, uh, Mahomes just has elite level pocket presence. And, um, yeah, I, I, Quentin Williams will get the job done because he is one of the best defenders in the NFL. Um, but you know, behind him, brother Quincy Williams, uh, playing close to 100% of the snaps. And he's doing it at the same level of efficiency we've seen from him in the past. And when you put those two things together, this guy's a strong LB2 for us moving forward um, in a lot of lineups. And, you know, that's not what we necessarily saw from him last year. You know, we saw kind of a little bit of up and down usage. It was still always good usage. He was the clear LB2. Um, but got to love the rate at which he's playing, out, uh, getting out in the field and making plays. So, um, you know, you're, you're going to fire him up until either the volume changes or something in his play changes. And right now, I don't see that happening here in week four against the Chiefs. I, I will say also the Jets defense is playing an absurd level or I guess an absurd number of snaps. So we're probably going to see the Chiefs have the ball for very slow, methodical, meticulous drives, right? Because the Jets defense is going to be built to stop big gashing plays. And the Chiefs are totally okay playing that game. Patrick Mahomes, really low average depth of target. It's gone down and down every single year. And that's going to be a lot of tackle opportunities for Quincy Williams. I would not be surprised if this dude has like 10 plus tackles this week. I'm with you. Our final game of the week is the Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. Now, it's a decent matchup against the Giants for defensive backs and defensive ends. So, those are kind of sort of the guys I'm going to talk about, but actually I'm going to tell you to sit one of them, not start one of them. And the reason why is because Jamal Adams is setting to make his debut this season in this game against the giants. Who's that going to hurt the most listeners before I tell you, just take a moment and quiz yourself. See if you know this. And the answer is Julian love. Jamal Adams should siphon away snaps from Julian love. Julian Love's been pretty great so far this season on a production basis, but unfortunately, if his snaps dip, that production is going to dip as well. So I'll remain open-minded and see how he is used in week four here. Maybe they find a way to get both dudes on the field and have Quandre Diggs, who's one of the better free safeties in football. I don't know. Like, it's possible. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I don't... You can't start 12 players on defense and... Unfortunately, that means somebody's going to have to see fewer snaps. A guy I do want to call out as a slight bump is Uchenna Nwosu. He's been up and down so far this season, but this is a decent matchup against the Giants here. And some of the underlying metrics are pretty encouraging. He's got decent pressures. He's got decent snap share, decent win rate. Nothing elite by any means, but not bad. He's not out here like playing terrible football like Zayvon Collins. He just needs some good sack luck. And pause. <laughs> um, what's a better way of phrasing that? He needs to get lucky on his pressure to sack conversion rate. How about that? We'll we'll just move on very, very quickly from this segment and talk about the Giants. 
<laughs> all right, on the Giants side, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. We all came in, you know, loved him. Top ten, top fifteen, top twenty DL. You know, depending on kind of where you where things fell for you. Um, but it's just been a really interesting usage so far. You know, so week one we saw him kind of more in that like 60 to 70 percent range um and his pff grades look you know relatively strong overall um week two jumped up to closer to like a 90 95 percent utilization pff grades started to dip now in week three um some really elite snap utilization right so 72 snaps um played in week three when there was a total of 83 snaps so again up in that 90 percent range but some of his lowest PFF grades for a game to date. So I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of how this goes, right? We've seen players like Max Crosby go out there and play a thousand plus snaps on uh, from the defensive line spot and put up uh, elite production still and be very, very relevant on the NFL field and for IDP. Can Kayvon Thibodeau do that? I'm not certain he can. The early numbers and indications say that he shouldn't be out there as much. And, you know, he's only put up one sack and one solo through those 72 snaps here in week three as well. So just something to really keep an eye on. I don't think we're cutting Thibodeau. I don't think, you know, we're we're selling just yet or, you know, we're, our hair's on fire type thing. But we just really want to pay attention to how he's being utilized and how that's correlating to his production on the field. Um, but then to get to someone who is delivering some production for us for IDP, Micah McFadden, uh, welcome to your IDP moment. Nine solos and two assists this Thursday night, this last Thursday night, uh, making some big plays in the backfield, cutting in uh, behind some blockers, just making some nice flashy plays. Um, however, what's not seen there is also the three missed tackles. Um, but assuming, you know, he showed enough in terms of making some big plays uh, that can help outweigh some of those bad ones, I think he should be locked in as the LB2 for the, the Giants moving forward. Um, and someone who's going to see some solid volume, too, in that defense. And and anything in a Wink-Martindale defense, too, there's going to be some upside for pass rush uh, coming from those linebacker positions, too. So, so I think you can be looking at starting Micah McFadden with a bit more confidence moving forward and, uh, you know, Take that, Bobby, because he said Daring Beavers, and I said Micah McFadden. Well, in that case, I said uh, Kayvon Thibodeau would get a sack last week. So, ah, yeah, you always, he didn't, you always he didn't win. Do much else, but we don't need to. We don't need to get into that. Okay, we're gonna do our our Q and A segment here real quick. Jake, I'll have you read these these questions here because I kind of like how we did that last week. But listeners, if you guys want to submit questions for us to talk about on the Start Sit episode, you can do so at theidpshow.com. Now let's get right into it. All right. So Daryl T, start two linebackers, potentially three with a flex. So Fred Warner, Ernest Jones, Jose Jewell, Denzel Perryman, Divine Diablo, or Robert Spillane. Uh, so for me, it actually came pretty quickly to Ernest Jones and Robert Spillane. I just, uh, you know, Ernest Jones has just shown that he is, uh, I think, an elite IDP for us at this point. Spillane, I love his volume. I don't really see much of a difference between him and Devon Diablo uh, at this point, and so that I'm just leaning snaps there. Uh, Perryman and Jewel just obviously have the injury concerns at this point. I don't think uh, we see Jewel this week, and Perryman is a potential miss as well. Uh, so then at that point, it kind of leaves Fred Warner as a potential in that third flex spot for me um, as linebackers go. And then yeah, I, at, I would definitely take 
I would, sorry, sorry, I cut you off there. I definitely take Fred Warner and Ernest Jones. I would lock those two in. Like I said, not the best matchup for Spillane or Diablo, but if you need a third guy, I would agree with you on Spillane there. All right. So then starting two DLs for, for Daryl, uh, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Will Anderson, George Karloftis, or Carl Granderson. Uh, so for me, in, in the matchup that they got, Chris Jones is an easy start for me. Uh, you know, then it comes down to do I like Jeffrey Simmons or Carl Granderson better just based on their matchup. Um, I think Eileen Jeffrey Simmons in this one, although Granderson's looked looked amazing so far this year, too. So I think I could be I think I could be talked into that. But I think we just saw uh, what Aaron Donald can do um, against the interior of that Bengals defense and, and their quick passing attack that they're trying to move into right now while Burrow's injured. Uh, Simmons can very easily do the same. So so I, I, I'm going to go Jones and Simmons there. But you could definitely talk me into Granderson. Yeah, I agree. Not much to add. And then uh, defensive backs, Kevin Byard, Jesse Bates, the third or Brian, ba Brian branch, uh, Jesse Bates, the three locked in for me. He's shown that he's obviously going to be a playmaker um, on the back end of that Atlanta defense. And, and they've really got something going there. So, so I like him uh, for me, then I'm actually going to go with Brian branch over Kevin Byard. Uh, this is something where I just, I don't know that, they're going to get downfield as much as we would like to see for buyer to have uh, as strong of a floor and Brian branch. They clearly want to get him involved at the line of scrimmage in the way that they're utilizing him in that defense. So yeah, I'm Bates and branch for me. Again, agree with you there. There's a reason why you're answering these is because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's, that's so that's what I tell people at least. All right, Ricky start four linebackers, Quay Walker, Kaiser white, Robert Spillane, Pete Werner, Terrell Bernard, Bobby Okereke. Uh, again, looking at these, you know, I, I read through them. I try to really gut call what comes off for me. Quay Walker, Kaiser White, and Pete Werner all pop off the page for me as the first three. Uh, then really it boils down to Terrell Bernard and Bobby Okereke. I think I just like Bernard's matchup against the Dolphins this week better, so I'm going to lean Bernard over Okereke at this point. The only thing I can add here is I think Bobby Okereke has a higher floor. I think Darrell Bernard has a higher ceiling simply because the Bills have played very, very few defensive snaps so far this season. However, in the last three matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins, they've combined for a crap ton of snaps. I don't remember the exact number, but it is a lot, like way more than the average number. So Terrell Bernard's probably the play. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's actually crap ton. I, I think when I sorted by that number, that's what came. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, Donald's question. Are we worried about Bobby Wagner? So at this point to that question, I haven't actually watched a lot of their games. And so I can't look at the that uh, anecdotally and say, hey, he looks washed. He looks slow. I get he had a bad week last week. I think he had four total tackles or something like that. And, you know, the Seahawks defenses generally tend to just rack up tackles there, no matter who's at linebacker. Um, but I, I just I don't feel like there's anything that's going to tell us that. Um, so you know, with that said, you you want us to choose two linebackers. So Bobby Wagner, C.J. Mosley, Patrick Queen are the ones on your roster. Mosley is a smash start. Um, I'm really I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, you know, I I'm still probably leaning Bobby Wagner in this situation over Patrick Queen. Uh, but, you know, unless there's some sort of, you know, different scoring where you're really excited about big play upside from Patrick Queen or something, I guess you could go that way. But I don't know. To me, it's pretty easily Wagner and Mosley at this point. 
what this tells me, because we're also seeing written down here, waiver options are Terrell Bernard, Kaiser White, Robert Spillane, Kenneth Murray, Quincy Williams. You need to trade away your linebackers and add those guys off of waivers instead. Because I don't see there being a massive difference between those waiver options and those starting options. And so if you can dump that value from your, you know, from your linebacker bucket into any other bucket, great. That's a dub. But yeah, in the meantime, I agree with you. CJ Mosley seems like the move. I will also say Bobby Wagner is playing very, very well, really strong PFF grades so far this season. So it's simply variance, nothing too concerning there. Yep. All right. So Chris M's question, Ivan Pace or Isaiah Simmons? So on the surface, to me, that's Ivan Pace. Uh, Simmons, I know his, his numbers have been slowly creeping up, um, and maybe he'll get to some sort of relevance. Uh, but for me, Pace is just too good of a fit in that Brian Flores defense and uh, has played himself into a high role there. Um, then the, the follow-up to that, once Denzel Perryman is back, uh, what do you do with Henry To'o To'o? Uh, and would you start him over Pace or Simmons? So I think we talked about that kind of during the Texans-Steelers matchup, uh, you know, the kind of that little bit of a flow chart, right? Like if Perryman's out there, you know, To'o kind of slides down into more of that LB3-4 range. Um, and But while he's not there, To'o is clearly a, an LB2 type play. Um, if I had to pick at that point between a, a Perryman-less To'o uh, over Pace or Simmons, I would go with Henry Tooto. I like it. Let's go ahead and move on to our next question. All right. Then, well, Chris, Chris has got still then sit to Von Bell, Julian Blackman, Harrison Smith, Legereus Sneed, and Jordan Whitehead. And I'm now just realizing I highlighted the two I would start. <laughs> so Bell and Blackman would easily be in the starting territory. I agree with Evan on sitting Legereus Sneed this week. Um, and then I would probably, gosh, now I'm truly on the spot because I didn't prep this. I would probably sit Whitehead, I think, at this point. It's definitely a toss-up. The The Jets' defense has been playing so many snaps that Jordan Whitehead has just been productive by proxy. Um, but Harrison Smith is a very good player as well, so definitely you know, worthwhile. Depends on your scoring format. Let's I'll just give that caveat. Look at both players' game logs. Which one's been scoring more points for your league? Start that one. All right. Then moving on to CD's question. Uh, start one defensive tackle. <laughs> Derek Brown, Deron Payne, or Jalen Carter? Um, and kind of as a, as a follow-up to that question, you know, is, is it time to be starting Jalen Carter regularly? Uh, again, I think we talked about this during the, the actual episode itself here a bit. Um, I, I really like Jalen Carter. I think he's a great talent, and I think he's proven that he can be in starting lineups. Um, however, just at the volume he's currently at and the rotation they're currently at, I think I'm still going to lean Derek Brown this week. But if you if you're just you're excited about the new hotness um, and you want you want to get him into your lineups because you like the the upside you think he has, I can totally get behind playing Jalen Carter. Um, but again, DB this week. Let's see where that how that volume continues to play out for Jalen Carter um, before you know maybe passing on some more solid options. And by DB, you mean Derek Brown, just in case yeah. somebody was like on their phone while you were talking and wasn't really listening. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and talk about our last question here. Hey, all right. So Chris is wondering what's the news on Nick Bolton. Um, he's got a team trying to trade him. Uh, so you know, this week he was a DNP already. This Wednesday, 
uh, coach speak out there that we're hearing, you know, he's still listed as day to day from their perspective. Uh, and I really can't find any news that indicates anything in a high ankle sprain. So this really, you know, tends to be more of that, those standard, you know, it rolled his ankle or, or minor, mild sprain. So probably something where he could miss this week um, in addition to last week. And we're probably looking at him returning to pretty standard production overall um, in my experiences. So uh, with that said, you know, I think Evan kind of hit on this earlier. You, if someone's trying to trade you, I mean, obviously it depends on what, what the situation is. Um, <clears throat> basic information or basic path I always try to follow, always try to get the best player in the deal. Like that's number one. Um, so whether that's offense, defense, whatever it is, you know, if you feel like that's what you're doing in the trade, go for it. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, hey, if you can go get Kaiser White off of your waivers or something for some reason because he's still out there or, or Robert Spillane, you know, and you can go ahead and maximize Nick Bolton into something else in the wide receiver room for you and upgrade there and then just go pick up the the, the other pieces off the, the IDP scrap heap and, and waiver wire. That's probably the approach I think we'd recommend. Um, Evan, I probably stole your thunder a bit there, but. No, that was, you You pretty much nailed it. I, I guess I, I can't tell based on reading this, is he trying to trade for Nick Bolton or trying to trade away Nick Bolton? That is an excellent question. So here's what I'll say. Don't trade for Nick Bolton. Don't spend up for IDPs unless it's a defensive lineman. And even still, I'm not sure how I'd feel about doing that. So yeah, just don't. Don't do it. You can get better production or equal production for significantly less. That's my take there. Jake, um, before we close out this episode here, we got to do our, our, you know, what are we looking forward to? I feel like I'm going to change it a little bit and say, you know, let's, let's see some, some game predictions here for our Steelers Texans matchup here. What are we, what are we anticipating score wise, outcome wise, maybe, you know, what kind of plays are we expecting to see? Whatever you got, like, let's just, let's throw some stuff out there here to close out this episode. So, so for me, it, it all comes down to, does TJ Watt absolutely destroy CJ Stroud? <laughs> if they can find a way to even remotely slow him down and, and let Stroud do what he's been doing so far, I'm, I'm going to take the Texans 24 to 20. Um, I, I really just love what Stroud has done so far this year. And, you know, with the, the Steelers offensive weapons kind of in a little bit of weakened state here. I mean, Calvin Austin's looked nice at times. Obviously Pickens has got the big play potential, but that that's kind of what all they got really working for him a ton. I, I, I think that even this Texans injured defense is, is able to hold up and uh, walk away with the victory 24, 20. I like it. That's just, that's a, a very reasonable take. I'm thinking like, we're going to see some like splash plays from, George Pickens or Calvin Austin after the catch, we're going to see an extremely uninspired run game. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to see the Steelers defense have a couple stars that make some big plays here and there, but I don't know if they can withstand the consistent steady drumbeat of Stroud to Nico Collins and Stroud to Robert Woods and Stroud to tank Dell. I think, yeah, shout out tank Dell, man. What a guy. Um, what a dog. I, I really do think I really do think that the the Texans offense is going to be the X factor, along with obviously how well their offensive line holds up against the Steelers defensive line. So that'll be pretty interesting. 
However, I think I give the Steelers the coaching edge as much as I love the Texans coaching staff. Mike Tomlin finds a way to win games that he doesn't deserve to win. Granted, he also finds ways to lose games that he doesn't deserve to lose. So we'll see. I wouldn't necessarily consider this a playing down to anybody game, though. And the um, let me see here. The over under for this game is 42.5. You said Mm -hmm. 24 to 20. I think it's pretty reasonable. I'm going to say Steelers 21, Texans 17. All right. And I think that's a very reasonable outcome, too, especially if TJ Watt just absolutely wrecks the game like we know he can. Um, so, like I said, that that's really the X factor to me. Can they, can they find a way to slow down or just straight out avoid TJ Watt enough to, to, to win the game? Mm-hmm. I can't wait for both of us to be so incredibly wrong about this game prediction. <laughs> Should be fun to watch. Um, listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you so much for submitting your questions. It's because of you guys listening and appreciating the content that we do this. So shout out to you guys for being the reason why we're here. If you would like to ask us other questions, obviously, like I mentioned, the show.com is where you can submit your start sick questions. If you've got other questions or you just want to talk ball or you want to tell us how handsome Jake is or how desperately you want to see me with a shaved head, you can find us on Twitter or X at IDP Evan and at late round DB. We'd love to chat with you there. Um, Jake, I think we're ready to sign this one off. So listeners, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on the next one. Peace out. Oh,